Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the nation's report card for grades. Four and eight came out. The education system as a whole got an F. Scores in reading and math are down in the steepest decline ever reported. What do those results mean? What did we learn during the pandemic? What needs to be changed? Is it time for the nation's education system to stay after class? Is there uh, any way to get extra credit to help our struggling students? And what will it actually take to put the United States education system back at the top of the class. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Really pleased to have joining us back on the program once again, Rick Hess. He's a senior fellow and director of education policy studies at AEI and one of the great thinkers when it comes to this area of education. And uh, Rick, we appreciate you joining us today. I know it's a busy day and obviously with the uh, nation's report card being released and some of the numbers and dips and trends. Uh, give us first kind of your overarching view there, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Sure. So this is the, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, like you mentioned, usually regarded as the uh, nation's report card. Uh, it comes out every couple of years. Uh, this time it's three years because of uh, pandemic disruptions, and the results are miserable. Um, they're as bad or maybe worse than we all feared they would be. After what we had seen, uh, it reports on fourth and eighth grade math and reading. The math results were catastrophic. What we generally saw was kids rolling back the clock maybe 20 years in terms of math achievement. Uh, the reading results were less horrible, but still lousy. Um, obviously, across the nation, state to state, um, you saw some differences. But uh, the general picture is suggests that you know, whatever we did during the pandemic and however much money we threw at schools, we failed our kids just miserably. Yeah. And so as you as you look at those numbers, again, I think everyone expected to see a little bit of a dip uh, as it related to the pandemic. But I, I think it has caught most uh, a little by surprise of how steep the, the drop and decline has been. Uh, as you've talked with others around the country, what's the general consensus in terms of Okay, now now what? Uh, and I think you answered the one question is throwing money at it is is not uh, going to produce the result. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, folks should keep in mind that we the federal government gave two hundred billion dollars to K-12 education during the pandemic and emergency aid. One striking thing is that most of that money still hasn't been spent. 
school districts simply didn't know how to throw off money as fast as it was being given to them. And uh, it, it clearly didn't work. Just to get a little more specific, for instance, nationally, 26% of eighth graders are proficient in math. That, that's down eight percentage points uh, from three years ago. And that is a huge drop. What does this mean? Well, it means that remote learning, at least the way we were doing it, just doesn't work for kids. It means that all of those places where they kept schools closed a lot longer than they needed to, um, we need to make sure in future disruptions, nothing like that ever happens again. Uh, it suggests maybe we need to think about whether a lot of these mitigation measures, um, like masking, actually are as disruptive to learning and as bad for kids as many folks worried. And I think it means that if we are going to get kids back pointed in the right direction, uh, we can't just put more money into business as usual. We need to ask ourselves um, what kinds of school environments work for kids. How do we expand choices for families so they can find uh, the, the setting that fits? How do we rethink the teaching job to make it more manageable for teachers and so that teachers spend more time doing the stuff that really matters for kids? You know, it's not just the results. Uh, public schooling in this country lost a couple million kids during the last couple of years uh, to private schooling and to homeschooling. Uh, we've seen extraordinary uh, interest in policy measures that expand choice. And I think what this tells us is it's not just that schools weren't getting it done academically, but that way too many families feel like schools haven't been the anchors and uh, the social buoys for their kids. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. That, you know, we really need schools to be. Yeah. Uh, so many pieces to, to to dig into there. What were some of the positive lessons? Were there were there any areas where you'd say, okay, this, this state did better than this, or wow, this was an interesting approach to that, and maybe that produced a little better result? Are there any findings from this report card that tell us, Hey, this this over this, or or maybe some of those choices that were made at that state level. It's a fantastic question. Um, as as you know, I chatted with a Harvard uh, professor Marty West the other day about some of this. Marty sits on the uh, the board that oversees the nation's report card, and uh, you know one of the things he pointed out was absolutely there are spots. I don't know that we'd say there are bright spots per se, but there are certainly spots that are brighter. Mm-hmm. Um. And some of it's a little hard to track, for instance. So Florida uh, did, uh, you know, pretty darn well. This is not all that surprising, given that Governor DeSantis 
uh, worked hard to make sure the kids were back in school early. Um, we saw uh, similar findings in Iowa where Governor Reynolds uh, had also pushed to make sure that schools didn't stay remote uh, for, you know, for a year or more. Um, but frankly, some of the results are surprising. Los Angeles and California in general uh, also fared better than one might expect. And, of course, these were some of the epicenters of extended school closure. So exactly what is going on, what's driving these results, what does it tell us about the right response over the last couple of years or about the right um, instructional approaches, that's something that researchers are going to need to chew over in the weeks and months to come because this is basically a snapshot. What Nate tells us, what the Nation's Report Card tells us is what level kids are performing at in fourth and eighth grade and reading and math in all these different states and all these cities, what it can't tell us is why. It just doesn't have that kind of information. That's something that analysts and researchers need to bring to the dance. Yeah, and it seems to me that that's where some of that uh, $200 billion ought to, ought to be going. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. I know that's radical thinking, but uh, that's, that's kind of what we do. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to ask you just real quickly, uh, any insight? I, I have been... Uh, you know, looking at these numbers, uh, not in a way that you look at them, but reading and math, we, we kind of get those. Uh, and one area where I think we are just in free fall uh, is in writing. And mm-hmm. uh, we saw some reports out of Australia recently uh, saying that they're just kind of in collapse there in terms of writing proficiency. Uh, any, I know we haven't really even tested that in quite some time here in the U.S. Uh, any insight into what's happening there or, or what the impact of that is? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, one way to think about this, and one way to think, so to think about the writing challenge, is that the general suspicion is that math numbers got so much worse than reading numbers because math really, it's a series of building blocks. When kids lost, you know, everything in spring 2020, and then when so many kids lost a good chunk or a whole year of learning in fall 2020 and spring 2021, of all the math that you're getting doesn't really stick if you haven't already learned the stuff that that math sits upon. Yes. Uh, The challenge in reading is obviously more manageable. Like reading, it's not as clearly a a series of blocks. Um, So you can kind of pick up learning reading where you left off more readily. The question with writing always is, is it more like math or more like reading? (laughs) Um, You know, Partly the problem is the kids just don't write that much anymore. Nobody writes letters. Yep. Um, kids are much less likely to sit in class and sit down and write essays. Um, they're much more likely to thumb out messages or use emojis. And when they do write, they write um, you know, on devices where it's super easy to cut and paste and use spell check. So a lot of that structural learning how to write stuff that we once took for granted has just been swept out of kids' lives, and it's not clear. Um, it's not clear how we get it back. Right. And it's and one of the things that you're pointing out is when we've looked at it, we just see that that has real consequences for how kids learn to write. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Great insight as always. Uh, Rick Hess, Senior Fellow and Director of Education Policy Studies at AEI. Uh, this is a really important look at the the nation's report card. Uh, And as you said, Rick, I I think it's about where do we go from here? 
Uh, we know that, that money is not always the answer. It, it can be helpful, but sometimes it covers up the problems more than it actually uh, exposes and corrects them. Uh, appreciate your insight, as always. We'll have you back real soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, Utah was one of those brighter spots in the nation when it came to the report card. But we shouldn't be content to be graded on that kind of curve. I actually think the report card, beyond the headline of it all, should be not just a wake-up call, but a clarion call for innovation, for change, for improvement, to meet the needs of today's students, who, by the way, will be tomorrow's leaders. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.